Hi, my name is Steve Erspringer, and this is Worshiping God, God's Way, the podcast. You know, when I was 17 years old, a young Christian just accepted the Lord. I went to a house where some of my friends were hanging out. And when I walked in, the first thing I said to them was, Hey, guess what? I I just got saved. And a guy who was there responded, sarcastically, of course, but he responded and he said, Saved from what? At that moment, I couldn't tell him the what. I couldn't answer it. No one had asked me at that time, what were you saved from? Why are you saved? How did that even happen? I could have said to him, well, I accepted Jesus. You know, a friend of mine told me about him and I believed him and now I read my Bible and now I'm over here telling you that I'm a Christian. That's basically what it was. Of course, the answer was simple now. It was sin and separation from God. But back then, I didn't have the vocabulary that I have now. I hadn't learned the words of Christianity. You know, words are important. Words like sin and salvation, you need to know what those mean. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, the faith in Jesus Christ, healing and discipleship. You know, there are various themes in the Bible. There's hundreds of themes, but these themes are built on a lifetime of word lessons. So the words need to be understood before we can get to some of the lessons that we're supposed to be learning. Now, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, by the first century, those books were written in Greek, common Greek. And during that time, in that area of the world, everyone at that time, they were all speaking the same language. And God had a purpose in that. They weren't speaking in English. It wasn't based on Webster's Dictionary Uh, It was specifically straight, clear Greek words. And when I began to study those words and look at Christianity in a way that I could actually make sense of it, I think Bill Muntz's idea, if you want to read the Bible, you need to read it in its language, which is Greek, that made sense to me. And as I did that, worship began to stick out. I found out what that word was in the New Testament. I found out what that word was in the Old Testament. I found out where it came from before that. Now, in that word, in those books, you also hear angels and you see angels crying out and talking to those on earth. And they're saying, worship God, worship God. Humanity, though, cries out, we are. You see this in the Old Testament as the Israelites journey out of bondage to the promised land, and then from the promised land, after a period of time, they go into dysphoria. They're scattered. You know, but they're not just scattered without purpose. God is heading them and turning them right into the first century. At the foundation of their plight is self-centered worship. They chose to worship other gods, to alter or rewrite The act of worship, adding things to it, making it about them, their comfort, their traditions become more important than God's thoughts concerning worship. Now remember the first commandment. It was headline news to them. It was in bold print. Every time they opened up Deuteronomy, they would read that 
specific line that says, don't worship anybody else. Don't have any other gods before you. Don't shaha. Don't bow down before anyone else. You know, they create and teach their own theologies over time as if they were God's commandments. Jesus talks about that. But does that sound familiar to you? It sounded familiar to me. See, the woman that I was talking to who was an editor and worked for publishers, what she said to me, she said, we worship in a lot of different ways. Mm. What she was actually saying was, we don't do it the same way every time. We do it according to our own personal twist. We add to it. We highlight the parts that are important to us. We give everybody freedom. We, the way we feel is the way it's done. Now, the scripture about the spirit of the Lord is, and when the Lord's there, there's freedom. But you got to understand, not freedom from God's word, not freedom in the sense of rewriting and redirecting the perception of God. It doesn't include that. That this kind of thinking, you have to be a little careful of it because it's easily passed on from one person to the next, like one generation to the next. Israel is a good example of that. But we, this generation today, we're not exempt from that, making that mistake. We're human too. You know, and people say one thing, but they do something else. And a lot of people do it unknowingly, like it's just an uneducated choice that they make. Let's say this thing, but let's do something else it's because they don't know the difference. But in that process, the identity of words are lost. If people don't know the word and they create something else and they layer it over that word, the identity of that word begins to fade and gets a little murky. You know, standing behind a microphone singing on stages with high-resolution screens displaying faces of singers and musicians and words going on. You know, we call out to the masses in that situation. and We say, here, come and worship with us. And when the world sees it, they see it mainly through social media. So it looks cool. It sounds great. But after they've seen that, it isn't long before they, too, start calling that expression that visual experience, they start calling it worship. You know, people repeat what other people say. And people see things and they repeat what they see. And so it's an ongoing process. Worship is being misrepresented. It's lost its identity. But it keeps being pushed forward and presented as if it is worship. The question is, is it really worship? Is that what it is? You know, some people reply, though, they say, you know, this is just the essence of it. This is the essence. It's the principle. It's just a fundamental nature of worship. You know, bowing down before God is not an essence. It's not a, just a principle. The word itself, the definition of the word, is not a fundamental nature so we have to be careful of that. Now, here's a short story. It might help us think through this process. Daniel 3.15. You guys will have heard this story. There were three men 
They're standing on a platform, and they're before a large crowd of people. Below them is a large band of musicians and singers. But behind them on this platform is a fiery furnace. Now you know where I'm going. The king comes out and says to these three guys, he says, when the music stops, if you don't bow down to me at that moment, if you don't worship me, you are going into that furnace and you are going to experience a horrific death. Now, when the music stops, one of the men jumps forward and says, wait a second, I have money. I've saved a percentage each month, and it's a lot. I'll give it to you, all of it, just to assist you in building your kingdom. The king rolls his eyes. I don't need your money. My kingdom covers the earth. I own it all. Now wait, the second man says as he pushes the other one aside. He says, well, you accept my offerings. Will you accept them, my wheat and grain? They will tell of your greatness. The king chuckles a little bit beneath his breath. He says, your offerings cannot praise me enough. All these here, all these people praise me continually. The last man, he draws a deep breath because he's extremely nervous. He pushes his two friends to the side and he says, I have a gift for singing. I'm a great singer. I've won many awards. Listen to my voice just once. It will satisfy your need for worship. Seeing the look on the king's face, one of the others standing next to his two friends, he cries out and says, you know, I've got a good voice too. Pick any song. I know them all. The king shouts. No, 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 he says. I have the best musicians in all the heavens, the loudest singers. I don't want a song. I want you to bow down and worship me. Now, of course, you know the story. This isn't how it goes, so let's not spread any rumors. But Nebuchadnezzar, if he were alive today, and he walked into one of our worship services threatening to kill us if we didn't worship him, the heat would be on us. You know, someday that it's going to happen. It won't be Nebuchadnezzar, but read the book of Revelations. The challenge is coming. But could you imagine if someone standing on that platform holding a microphone cried out and said, Take my song. Isn't that worship? Now, here's my point, and here's the problem. The king, Nebuchadnezzar, he knew the Hebrew word for worship, shaha. There was no language barrier. Everyone at that time knew what the word meant. It was a borrowed word, a Ugritic word, shaha. You know, that word had a prior history, which is seldom mentioned, but I'm not going to go into that. It'll take forever to talk about. But shaha, meaning to bow oneself to the ground, added the Ugritic dimension of without arrogance. So we have the meaning, heaven's definition, spoken in Hebrew. The word is there. The definition is there. Bowing down in today's church meetings is not denied. 
and it's not prevented in most churches. I saw people worshiping a few Sundays ago where I was going. But the expression is not highly common. You don't see it very often. When it is mentioned, from what I've heard over the years, it is mistaught, miscommunicated. He's miscommunicated by teachers and preachers of all ages with years of experience. Now, that's the reason for this book as well. But in the Old Testament, bowing on the ground was associated with a manifestation of God's power, a moment of theophany. Theophany is when God manifests himself before a human being. Now, could I suggest something that we need? I think we need a God encounter. I would like to see that. Can we pray for that? Yes, you can. I would pray for God to have a moment, take a moment with his people in whatever meeting we're in and manifest himself to the point where we feel the necessity, we understand that this is a place where worship needs to happen. In history past, Worship, bowing down before our Creator, over time becomes a worship tradition. However, worshiping is not created to be a traditional lifestyle. It's not something that can be rehearsed like an ongoing stage production with lights and smoke and visual screens and everything all synced together, you know, creating some seamless production of perfection. It's not created to do that. However, by the first century, bowing before the Holy One had become a tradition. You know, Jesus addresses that in John 4. You know, by the beginning of the New Testament, commonly people bowed before one another as a sign of respect. It was socially accepted and it was practiced. You know, angels corrected the disciples saying, Never do that again. Disciples saw them, they bowed to the ground, and the angels rebuked them and said, Get up. You know, bowing is for God only. The angels said that to John. He said, Get up. We're just like you. Worship bowing down is for God only. You know, the angels know what is in heaven. They were there when it was originated, you know, when the act was defined, the word was alive and taking off in the universe. They were there. They were a part of that. Today, during this hour of history, we need to remember and listen to the words that they've said because they were eyewitnesses to it. You know, it's one thing to worship incorrectly or possibly at the wrong time, I guess. But what about people who are saying they are worshiping when they're not? Can the people of God, Jesus' followers, misrepresent worship? Can they do that? Well, worship can't be produced, so you can't make it happen. But what takes place today, what I'm noticing, is it's more affected by popular expressions. It's a frail terminology. It's faint theoretical ideas, very faint You know, it's driven by popular personalities. Even the modern evolving church meetings, they think that they're creating worship, but through their services, the act of worship isn't even taking place. They can allow it to take place, they can make room for it, and they can give it priority, but they can't make it happen. We have to go back 
to the place where the word originated. Use that template. We have to worship God God's way.